Welcome to the Culture Bus Tools Podcast. My name is Chris Rivers. I'm your host and want to thank you for joining us today. In each episode, I explore leadership strategies that increase your capacity and effectiveness with people. And during each show, I interview thought leaders, hear their leadership stories, and just discuss ways to become better problem solvers and people developers. Visit culturebus.cc to access additional tools focused on each episode so you can create forward movement with your team. Okay, let's dive into today's show, I have a special guest, Kit Miller. Kit, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. Chris, thanks for the invitation. It's good to be with you. Yeah, I'm glad to spend time with you today. Uh, you and I have the privilege of worshiping at the same church, and that's how we've gotten to know each other a little bit. But why don't you jump in and just tell us, I want to learn a little bit about what you do. You're the president of Eastern Industrial Supplies. And so what is that? And how did you get into this business? Yeah, we are a pipe, valve, and fitting and commercial plumbing wholesaler. So we buy material in, from the, in the country, outside of the country, and then we redistribute it locally in six southeastern states where we have 17 locations. Mm-hmm. And so how I got started in that business was I graduated from college, University of South Carolina Business School in December of 79, yeah. Moved back to Greenville, and that was on the threshold of a recession, Jimmy Carter days. No one was hiring. I just did odd jobs just to make a little cash, referee ball, that kind of thing, hmm. for about uh, six months. And then I had a headhunter calling up new startup companies. They called Eastern Industrial, and they said that uh, they were looking to hire their first sales trainee. There were uh, two or three guys who'd broken away from a competitor. Um, who had been bought out by a national chain 18 months earlier. They didn't like how things were going. And so they mortgaged their homes and scraped together a hundred thousand dollars and wow. started a supply house. And so um, I went for an interview and uh, within a week uh, I had a job. And so I was just happy to have a job. I yeah. didn't know anything about <laughs> pipe valves, fittings, anything about the industry, Wow! but I had a job. And so we began and we uh, were a startup company. So I started in the warehouse, got my hands dirty, um, picking and shipping. And, and I just fell in love with the whole uh, process of, of what we did in, in the supply business. Wow. And um, after a couple of years, we started another company that was more process control related products uh, from what we did. And then um, in 1985, we had two owners and they decided to split those companies. Okay. So one was going to take one, one take the other. And the gentleman who hired me, uh, I had just seemed to be granted favor in his eyes for some Mm -hmm. reason. And he wanted me to be sales leader and the vice president. So there was about 12, 13 of us and um, we became our own company. And um, eight months later, he walked in and laid a stack of papers on my desk. And I said, what is that? And he said, well, you know, I've been sick with a cough and cold. It's coming from fluid build up around my heart. And mm. I've got blood clots lodged on the backside of my heart. And um, I'm only going to be able to work four hours a day, four days a week. You're going to be running the company and I'll, <laughs> I'll come in and handle the finance, financial piece. Wow. And so that we, we did that. a lot more control over the culture that existed prior. Yeah. And um, it was eight months later, it was December 31st. 1986 and my phone rang it was one of his friends and said that he had died of a massive heart attack he said the company's yours and i'll talk to you next week wow so um i was 29 years old i <laughs> certainly didn't have the uh, financial 
uh, strength to um, start a company like that. And yeah. I did not have the experience really to run it. And I still don't today, mm. but um, no one left us and we started picking up some jobs and uh, we just uh, had a lot of debt in the beginning from just the split up of the companies. And yeah, um, so we were able to start paying back that money. But anyway, that's a lot of things that really have really led to our core value today at work, wow. uh, which are integrity, honesty, caring, self-responsibility and being positive. Mm. And so those are the things that we focus on today. And that's just a short story. Yeah. Well, it's an amazing story. A couple of things I want to double tap on. You said that you started doing odd jobs. I think that there's something to that. I'd love to double tap on. I mean, you just, you just showed up and, and then you also talked about that. I want to know why you feel like you were granted favor. I mean, what was it that you were doing from the moment that you started, you said you need to get a job, you know, you're coming out of school. So it's like, I gotta get a job. Was there something that your dad instilled into you or your family or somebody that made you feel like it's important to be responsible? And then this, because now you, I mean, you said 29, this is your company now, at least God's given you this ownership and responsibility to lead it. Can we talk a little bit for a minute about what you have learned over the years about doing the little things that lead to the big things? Well, every task that you're given to do, um, unless you do the small things well, you'll never be have an opportunity to do the bigger things well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my dad was a hard worker. He drove a, a panel white van a, a, a across the Southeast delivering merchandise to these small stores. Mm-hmm. The vans had no air conditioning in those days. And dad just taught me a strong worth ethic among a lot of other things. And everything he did, he, he did very well. And he did very thoroughly. And so he never... Uh, slighted his job or his boss and I, I just picked up on those things and yeah uh, I had when I was a kid I just loved to make money so <laughs> I mowed lawns and I would uh, have mom take me to the savings and loan and we had the old uh, folding uh, book we kept up with our deposits and interest and I thought it was incredible that you could take money to the bank and they would keep it in their vault and they would pay you to do it <laughs> so uh, after a little while, uh, I had a friend in schools. He, I was about 12. He said, hey, would you like to take over my afternoon paper route? And I said, well, what is it? He told me what it was and, and um, how many customers he had. So um, I agreed to do that because that paid a little bit more money than mowing loans. And, and really, it's kind of like being a young entrepreneur or small business because you got 50-something customers on your route that, that want their paper in their box or hand-delivered to them or and thrown in the yard, the driveway, everybody wants something different. And then you have to go collect money on Friday. Hmm. And if they don't pay you, well, they're not there. You got to go back. And then you got to go downtown on Saturday and pay your bill. Wow. So it was a little mini business. And, and um, I just, I just have always working and, and hmm. being willing to, to do whatever I need to do to, to make a little money and try to try to save that money. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, I have two young boys. I've got a, a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old, and it is challenging. There's no more paper routes anymore, right? Mm. Yep. I mean, there's. I've got a lawnmower. I've given that opportunity to my boys, but it's a riding lawnmower, so it's super dangerous. So it's like, oh, man, how do I let my tw- my you know 12-year-old son, who is an entrepreneur, I can see it in his mind. Like, he wants to make money. 
I mean, is there any advice you would give me or any wisdom that you would give me as a father in that area and helping my sons even adjust to the odd jobs, the little things that could lead to the big things that you're talking about? Yeah, well, any kind of summer job would, would be great. Um, my kids went to a private school and they had uh, one of the things I always wanted them to do. My wife and I were participate in uh, campus activities, mm-hmm. which included student government or, or teacher's aid or playing on the ball teams. And so they would uh, go to school and then they would uh, be on the ball team and ball field and, and then have to come home and, and do homework. So it was really hard on them to be able to work during school time. So one thing that I came up with was a car credit list because I knew when they turned 16 that uh, I was going to probably provide them with an automobile because they didn't have any money. Sure. Uh, They did work at, they did work at the company in the summer Yeah. make a little money, but you know, they had mission trips and other things, church trips that they went on to. So it wasn't like they made a whole lot, but, uh, I don't know. I, uh, at that time, there were uh, uh, books that I had them to read, um, mm. uh, um, you know, how to think positively, uh, videos, birds and bees videos that they'd have to discuss with their mom or, or with me. Um, there they were um, different recordings that I had them uh, do. Um, they got credit if they sang. A, at that time, kids were singing solos in church or participating yeah. in the church play. They, they would get a credit for that. But when they got 12 credits, they were eligible for a car. Okay. And so, you know, it wasn't like, I mean, I, I did give it to them, but they had to earn it. They yeah. had to do these things. Um, they also, part of it was going through um, uh, financial matters where they had to learn, you know, how to, how to manage money and how to uh, use a checkbook, how to balance a checkbook. Um, I don't think many people do that today. I still do. But, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure my kids do, but I wanted to make sure that they were totally grounded yeah. um, in, in things. And then it was, of course, uh, uh, things of God, too, that, that were yeah. included. That's good. That's good. Well, I know that, you know, as a president of a company, and I don't know how big Eastern is, how, how big are you guys? How many staff? We have about 340 people. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you're a large organization, I think, and you deal with not just local, but you're also global. Is that correct? We, we, we source things globally. Uh, yeah. Very seldom do we ship things internationally. Sure. But I mean, like there's a lot of complexity to probably what you do. How do you as a leader and how do your second chair leaders how do you guys help build credibility, this strong work ethic, this, the small things lead to the big things? How do you guys do that at Eastern? How do you do it? How do you want to do it? Well, I think you're talking about building culture. Yeah. And so what we did is we had our five core values and, you know, those are just nouns. And I would go to the branches once a month and I would pick a core value and I would talk about it for five or 10 minutes. And that's the way I did it for years about, Four years ago, we partnered with a culture company and developed what we call the Eastern Way. Mm. Uh, It's 28 basic fundamental things that really define what those five core values are. Okay. And and, and so um, like this one this week is uh, be proactive. It says look for and solve problems before they happen by anticipating future issues. And I won't read the rest of it, but... Um, we repeat one of those every week and then we get through 28 weeks, we start over again. 
Love, awesome. And we try to change it up. You know, we try to make it interesting. Uh, there's videos that we send out every week. There's quizzes we send out every week. Mm. Any meeting with three or more people is supposed to get, begin with the Eastern way of that week. And so that is how we're trying to build a world-class culture. I felt like we have a, a decent culture, but you know, until you get everybody doing this and living out these basics, these fundamentals, these values and words, then, you know, we were not there yet. So That's right. just giving, giving them a high reputation to live up to. And when there's issues, uh, we refer back to the Eastern way and say, okay, what, where did we go wrong here? That's so great. How, can, I love how that. can we correct the situation? So this be proactive. What have you guys done this week to create engagement around that? And what value does that, that core value does that represent? Well, this week, I think it's being uh, um, responsible. It's a self-responsibility. Yeah. You know, you want, you know, maybe, maybe we would apply uh, several of those to this one, but I would say that would be the, the top one is self-responsibility, mm. making sure that you're prepared to do the job and you have things assembled in advance. You, you're not waiting till the last minute and you're not procrastinating. It gives you a chance to take better care of your customers. It lowers your stress. Yeah. So it touches us. So on Monday morning, we uh, send a, a nice email to everybody with the Eastern way of that week. And we put the Eastern way. And then um, there's an associate who uh, across the company uh, volunteers to record a little short video of what being proactive means to them. Mm. And it's never more than a minute long. And so it takes less than a minute and a half to go through that email, but they get that Monday morning and they instill that, that that value that eastern way right then and then on wednesdays everyone gets uh what we call an e-minder and it's a situational quiz around in this case being proactive and you have your a b c or d the um, answers and you yeah. pick which one and submit and then we can see uh, who did what who got what score we're not concerned if they really got it right or wrong we want yeah. to participate and then um hmm. We have rallying points to try to get more people participating because some don't have company emails and they are using their home emails. But we have about 90 to 95% every week that participate. Man, this is really good, Kip. I mean, what a solid way to develop and even just like you're being proactive and just leading the company. I mean, that's one way right there. I love the Monday, Wednesday rhythm, which I think rhythms are so helpful. How long have you guys been doing this? Uh, we're in... I think we uh, we started about four years ago. It took us six to eight months to develop it, yeah, and then to get everything in printing. And then we did uh, four original rollouts on okay. a Saturday morning from like nine to three, where it was mandatory yeah. that you you had to come to wherever that city was closest to your branch. Mm. And we had a person come and facilitate the rollouts. It was very fun. It was very invigorating. Wow, uh, people came in very skeptical and they would leave and they would just be like, man, this has been the greatest thing ever. We wow. can't wait to get started in this. So that's, so cool. that, that's how we got it kicked out rolling. And then uh, we went through our first 28 and then everybody who participated got a t-shirt that said 28 for 28 that they didn't know they were going to. Yeah. So we try to um, drum up surprises. Uh, sometimes when I uh, hadn't been able to go to many branches lately, but, Sometimes I'll go to the branch and when we're in a facility meeting and I'll just stop somewhere and say, okay, um, who has your, uh, who has your Easter way card 
on your person. Yeah. And if they hold this up, they might get a $20 bill put in their hand. Come on so, now. Yeah. We just do different <laughs> things. It's like awesome. That. And it's, uh, it's that is awesome. Great. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that you make that, I mean, that you make that a lot of fun. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening that probably wish that their organization probably did something like that. And I, I mean, this is really creative. It's very solid. I think the harder part is figuring out what those core values are. So it's probably helpful to have someone kind of walk you through that. And then it sounds like to me that, um, that maybe your quizzes, a lot of the questions that you have put together are probably more demonstrated statements of your core values where you've seen those demonstrated within the organization. So um, culture is really what your environment say you value. So if you don't have something that you can see, that's more aspirational. And so we've got lots of organizations, even churches that say that they believe and value this thing, but you can't see it anywhere. And that's the challenge. So I bet you that what's great and what you're doing, I love this, is that those, those assessments, they really help us rearticulate in our mind and get to our heart really what it is that we're trying to do and behave as an organization. Man, that is so good. I love it. I, I would. Um, I wish I could have come to one of those Saturday events. I would have really enjoyed that. I probably would love to just talk about this for another episode, but I wanted to talk about some other things that we had discussed, which is really kind of how we landed this opportunity to connect with one another. I, I'm in an executive roundtable with you, which that's how we originally met. And uh, that has been a joy to be in. Um, I don't know how many guys we've got, maybe 15, 20 guys, but we meet every month and it's led by David Delk, our executive pastor, and you. And so I'm just grateful to be invited. But you recently shared a devotion. And I felt like when I heard that devotion, I just felt like this is a leadership tip that if every leader implemented, this would be a way that we could be effective. And so I was hoping that maybe you could just take a little bit of time to just talk a little bit about this leadership tip. And I'd love to just ask you a couple questions and go from there. Yes, thank you. Well, there's a lot that's been said about needing or having a life purpose statement. Mm -hmm. And I attended several conferences early on in my career. And there was a one important, there was importance around having a person, a purpose, a mission and a values. And I just never had really thought about those and putting them in writing. Sure. Um, I think we all have uh, uh, core values written and or unwritten, but, but, but all those things are good to have. Yeah, But I heard a story one time where someone asked another person what their life purpose was. And the, the reply was, I just want to be a blessing. Hmm. And so the story goes, the person who asked the question was very disappointed because they were just looking for something rich, robust, yeah. a, a really strong life purpose statement. But what they got was just something that was so bland and had no flavor to it whatsoever hmm. in their eyes. And so how do you really prepare for goals and outcomes for having such a, a, a weak sounding life purpose? And how do you gauge whether or not you were accomplishing that goal? But when you look at the life of Jesus, hmm. he came to be a blessing and not a curse. He did curse a fig tree. As long as you're not a fig tree, you're okay. But he came to be a blessing, not a curse. He came to be a blessing to others. And, there's a lot of scripture that I could read you, uh, but Matthew 8, 16 says, uh, when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. 
And then in Matthew 12, 15, it says, But Jesus, aware of it, withdrew from there. Many followed him, and he healed them all. Matthew 21, 14, And a blind, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And we also know Romans 5, 8, the biggest blessing, but God demonstrates his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us as sinners. Mm. So Jesus even sometimes asks in the New Testament people, uh, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? What do you, what do you want me to do for you? Um, Lazarus had a daughter who was sick, and, and uh, you know, he, he came and asked Jesus, can, can, can you help me? I, I have a need. So Jesus would listen. He would, he would always be available. So what would you and I answer the question from Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Hmm. What pressing need do you have in your life right now? If Jesus was passing by the street, what would you say if he asked you, what do you want me to do for you? What, what would we share with him? Hmm. And so think about today. We're facing all kinds of uncertainties, uh, things I've never faced uh, in my life all at the same time. You know, we need answers. And then there's other people who are just very, very fearful. They're, they're very worried. Mm. And so we want resolution around certain things. And it's, it's hard to see through the, the daily fog of life right now, the daily challenges. And we're confronted with leading uh, and dealing with problems in our family. We're troubled by social unrest. Our national mood right now is not that great. And there's turmoil in politics people are concerned about the future of things. Mm. And uh, there seems to be a lot of anguish and hatred and brutality in the world. And there's just a lot of suffering that's, that's going on. You know, we long for COVID to be under control or a vaccine. We'd love to conquer uh, loneliness today, for joy to overcome sadness and for peace to calm conflict. We just see so much unhappiness. So it gets back to Christ asking, what do you want me to do for you? And what would we say? What would you say? And as I reflect upon that question myself, I think I want to be spiritually mature in Christ and I want to be filled with the spirit. I, I want to be, have the nurture in me of the fruit of the spirit so that my life will be full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Mm. I, I want to be more loving, more joyful, more peace. I want to be more patient and kinder and better more faithful, more gentle, more self-control. Mm. So what about all the others who have greater needs than we do? Many times Jesus uses a church and other nonprofits to help meet individual people's needs. And sometimes we may think, well, I, I don't really know what is the best way for me to help. Mm. So if the need is not apparent, I think it's okay to ask others, or if the need is apparent, it's okay to ask others, what can I do for you? Mm. It doesn't really cost you anything to ask a question. People want to be cared for. Yeah. But the scriptures say we can help others in certain ways. Matthew 25, 31 through 40, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. And all nations will be gathered around him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. Mm. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed others and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison and go visit, come to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did, the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Hmm. So it's easy. There's a, there's a simple guideline of just a few ways that we can be a blessing to other people uh, that God sees and God recognizes and God rewards for it. So God's a bless some of us very abundantly and we have an opportunity to do a lot of good works and good two things for people. Mm. We, we, we might not be able to meet every need, but we can meet a need or two. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can participate with our church or with our companies or with our communities and get involved, even with our, with our, our local government. And we, we can help people and uh, support God's word. So, mm. um, I, you know, in closing, just, um, you know, do you have a life purpose statement? Mm. If it's something as simple as I just want to be a blessing to others, I think you're in pretty good shape. Mm. Man, that's so good, Kip. So many things that are going through my mind right now. You know, I, I am a dad. I've got kids, and I'm responsible to help them embrace responsibility and be a blessing to others. Like that is my ultimate goal. And the last couple of days I've been home, I've been quarantined for a little while. I was around someone last week that was had the COVID. And so I'm like been told that I got to stay, stay in my house. And so I've been in my house and my wife, she's at work. And, uh, and so I've been with these three kids who have been home since March. Oh my gosh, this is the longest summer ever. And I've been realizing how much they are consumers and not contributors. So this is just me personally. Like I'm just talking out loud here, but I, I, this morning, it's interesting. You said, what are the needs that are around me? So I hear everything that you say, which I totally agree with. And I actually had my kids around 12 o'clock today. I said, I want you to take out a piece of paper and I want you to walk around everywhere in this house and write down every single thing that you see that's out of place. I mean, it might be something that you've left out. Like I've really tried as a dad not to pick up anything, you know, which is hard for me. And so tonight at the dinner table, going to use what you're talking about because I want to address this idea of being proactive. Like even what you talked about this week in your 28, Eastern 28, you know, what does it look like to be proactive? Because there's lots to do. All you got to do is find it and go after it. The tension that I have as, as a leader in my own home is how do I get my kids to actually see that the needs? So anyways, I got this list. Kip, here it is right here. I got three pages of things. I mean, these are the pages. I got three things. I tell you, and I can't even read half of them. So that's going to be the first thing I'm going to talk to them about. But I was going to talk tonight about this verse, Proverbs 14, 23. It says, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. And, you know, you are a example of someone that has just done the little things that have led to the big things. I mean, even what you're doing in your organization, I've talked to so many leaders and churches, and if they were doing what you were doing with Eastern 28, my gosh, that would be, that is a blessing to an employee. So I want to commend you on that. 
But even just some of the things that you've said, what do you want me to do for you? That's what Jesus has asked us. But actually, what is the question? What are, what are the needs around me? What can I do for others? I think that is the what I've gotten out of today. And so, man, I'm really grateful for you. This has been good. Is there anything, would you want to piggyback off of that? Anything that you'd want to share with us as we close out? Well, I just think people are so important. The greatest commandments are love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. So we can say and replace the word love, care. Uh, and everybody wants to be cared for. Everybody has that need. Now, there's, pe- there's people I've met that I don't think care, but I do believe everybody wants to be cared for. Yes. And if that's true, why don't we have more acts of service and why don't we care? Especially with people that can't return or pay us back. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I really appreciate it, Kip. I thank you for just being with us today. You're a blessing to me. Thank you for the invitation, Chris. It's been fun. Well, as we finish today's episode, I want to thank you for joining us. And I want to mention a resource Kip and I created specifically for this episode to help you live as a blessing. This tool is broken up into three parts that you can utilize with your accountability partner or small group. The first section acts as a guide to help you uncover and unpack some ways you can kickstart living as a blessing to others. And then the second section provides you and your group a weekly reflection guide that will help you celebrate and evaluate your progress. You can access this resource by emailing me at hello at culturebus.cc or check out the show notes for more information. Also, if you are new to the Culture Bus Tools podcast, consider signing up to receive these tools in your inbox with each new episode. When you sign up, you'll gain access to the Culture Bus Tools archive, which acts like a central hub for every leadership tool we've created since launching the show. You can head on over to culturebus.cc forward slash podcast to sign up to receive your account access and have some tools in your toolbox to help you and your team increase their capacity and effectiveness with people. And one more thing, if you like what you're hearing on each episode, I would appreciate your help in getting the word out. You can do that by subscribing to your favorite podcasting platform, giving us a review and telling others about the show. All right. See you next time on the Culture Bus Tools podcast.